Well, it's been a joy to be here tonight, and uh, just uh, grateful for the opportunity to be back in God's house, and still to have the freedom to come and worship and assemble together without being threatened or or anything like that. Uh, everybody's not so fortunate as we are, or blessed, I guess you could say we're blessed. Uh, I've been keeping up a lot lately with... Uh, Everything that's going on in different countries to Christians, Christian uh, persecution. Uh, there's a program I listen to every night that speaks about Christian persecution, and it's just terrible the things that uh, Christians are going through. And it's just because they're over there, and we don't see them, we don't uh, we don't feel like that's part of us. But they are. Uh, they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, same as you and I do, and uh, they're being persecuted. That's they're persecuting the church. And so it's, we need to pray for them, pray for these folks. So we've got it so good over here. Uh, and, you know, we've got Christians that won't even darken the door of a church or crack open the Bible and read it or anything. And that's a sad, sad thing, thinking that people are giving their lives for the Lord. And over here, people really act like they could care less. Let's pray for those, though. But uh, we're in part number 22 of our Acts of the Apostles. Acts of Jesus Christ through his apostles, Bible study. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, Lord willing, as we look at uh, Philip the deacon slash missionary slash evangelist. And we'll also look a little bit there at uh, some problems uh, someone was trying to give him in the church, uh, a man named Simon the sorcerer. And so uh, we'll go ahead and read our text, Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 5. The Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Father, thank you for the reading of your word tonight. Help us as we try to understand your word the best that we can, God. Fill our hearts full of your love and grace and mercy and understanding. Lord, and help us preach, and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we looked at those first four verses of this chapter, and were introduced to Saul the persecutor, of course. The young man, uh, they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, his name was Saul. And we saw how zealous that Saul was as he tried to rid the world of Christianity. And uh, he had the authority to go around and drag Christians out of their homes and commit them to prison and they, uh, all kinds of things. And 
So uh, there's kind of a break uh, from speaking about Saul until we get to the next chapter. And, uh, but he's still alive and well during this time that we're speaking of. During the time Philip is preaching in Samaria, Saul Tarsus is up in Jerusalem dragging Christians out of their homes. He's in Damascus dragging Christians out of their homes. He's, he's trying to do everything he can to stomp out uh, Christianity. And so Philip here, uh, the Bible says, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Well, we know that because of all the persecution that was going on, the, the, how Stephen was martyred, and the Bible tells us that the church scattered, and they went abroad and the, uh, throughout all the regions of, of there. Well, um, Samaria is kind of, it's not in the same general area as Jerusalem, but it's, it's uh, there close, close enough. And that is where Philip has went now to preach. And so we saw before that uh, all the, the uh, everybody had scattered except the apostles. And so the church members had scattered. Well, Philip was part of that church. And so he is also left from Jerusalem and went to Samaria. Now, we first read about Philip when there was trouble going on at the church, some of the first church problems, when the widows felt neglected or some of them thought their widows were neglected. And uh, they appointed seven men to oversee that work in the church to help out the preachers. The preachers said they were going to dedicate their time to preaching and, and uh, praying and reading, the, uh, studying the scriptures. And so uh, they needed these men to help out in the church. And they were kind of a type of a deacon. We talked about that last time. They, they, all the qualifications of a deacon wasn't given there. But in Acts chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, we first hear about this man, Philip. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And so when this trouble there with the church happened, and they appointed these men, and they had to seek out the men that, that was full of spirit and wisdom. And so notice the very first two that are mentioned there. Stephen, who has already been martyred by this time. And then the next mention is Philip. And really, we don't hear much at all, if anything, about the other ones that are left. Uh, but these two that are mentioned first, we read quite a bit about. And so uh, we see that Philip is a chosen vessel to preach. And later on, he's even referred to as Philip the Evangelist. Uh, some people get confused and think that Philip the Disciple was the same Philip that was Evangelist, but he wasn't. It's this Philip. So he's a deacon, a type of deacon. He's also a missionary. He's going to another country and sharing the gospel. And he's an evangelist because that's what the Bible says about him later on in, uh, in Acts chapter 21. Uh, it says there in Acts 21 and 8, And the next day, we that were in Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. One of the seven means one of those seven men that were appointed over the things of the church. And so we know this is the same man. He's the evangelist. Uh, so not only is he there to help the church, but he's also a preacher and he goes out uh, on mission on the mission field, and he preaches uh, the gospel. That's what the Bible says there. He preached Christ unto them. If you're preaching Christ unto someone, you're preaching the gospel, because 
Christ and the gospel is one and in the same. Uh, they go hand in hand. That Christ came here. He, he hung on the cross. He died. He, he was buried. He rose again in three days. And that's the gospel. And so that's what he's preaching. Well, there's a reason he went to this area. You know, all before this, uh, uh, the Lord actually forbids the disciples to even go into Samaria. He says, don't go into Samaria and, and things. In uh, Acts chapter... Um, but in uh, Acts chapter 1 and 8, he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And so all before that time, that was Jesus speaking there to the, the disciples before he ascended into heaven. But all before then, Jesus was forbidding them to go into Samaria. You see, there was a lot of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, Samaria was the first region beyond Judea. So we see how the Bible also is in perfect harmony with itself. Notice how Jesus, what he said in Jerusalem, Judea is Samaria. And that's exactly how the gospel is being spread. And so I want you to know God is a God of order. There's nothing chaotic about God. He's not sitting there on a little whim and a fancy just making stuff up as he goes. <laughs> everything, everything is in order. He's orderly God. He's got it all down just exactly like he wants it. Uh, you know, sometimes we mess things up. We get, we get things out of order. Sometimes the church can get out of order if you're not careful. If you're not watching, over-watching things, making sure certain things are in their place and uh, not allow certain things in, if you, don't, if you don't keep an eye on it, it can get out of order. And, but God is a God of order, and I've got a whole message on that one day I'll preach. But uh, Samaria, um, there was a lot of bad blood there uh, between the Samaritans and the Jews. Jesus, like I said, had at one time instructed the disciples not to go there. Matthew 10 and 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Now, we know that Jesus later on went into Samaria and met the woman at the well and spoke to her, and we're going to talk about her in a minute as well, because it has something to do with what Philip is doing. So, in the days of Jesus and in the New Testament, the Samaritans had become a mixed race of people. Um, they were made up of Israelites and pagans, and so they had intermarried with the pagans, and they mainly worshipped Yahweh, just the same as the Jews, but their religion was not mainly Judaism like the Jews was. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. Um, they built their own temple on uh, Mount Gerizim instead of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Uh, because they were, just like the Jews doing, waiting on a Messiah to come. And we know that fact because when the Lord went and spoke to the woman at the well, she mentioned it. And like I said, we'll talk about that here just in a little bit. But uh, where the hatred all began between the Samaritans and the Jews, you can look back at it in the Old Testament if you want, but um, the Jews had rejected the offer of the Samaritans to help them rebuild, you know, when, when they got to come back uh, uh, from being in captivity. And Ezra 4, 1 through 5, listen to what the Bible says. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the, of the captivity builded the temple under the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, 
Let us build with you, for we seek your God, as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esheradon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even under the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so the Samaritans, they really had no interest in the religious aspects of what was going on. They just wanted to be part of it. They wanted to be in on it, uh, on the rebuilding there of the temple. Uh, the Samaritans wanted to get a piece of the pie that Cyrus was offering there. Uh, he was giving the Jews extra uh, money and things to rebuild the temple, and they knew it. And so you probably remember how they gave Nehemiah such a hard time when you're trying to uh, build that wall, rebuilding the walls of the temple. Over in Nehemiah 6, 1 and 2, it says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Anno, but they thought to do me mischief. Now, Sanballat was one of the commanders of the Samaritan army. <laughs> and so they were really working behind the scenes against the Jews and Nehemiah to rebuild that wall, rebuild the temple, because they had rejected their help. And so they were their enemies. And uh, there's been a lot of blood, bad blood between the Samaritans and the Jews ever since, for centuries. But Jesus also included them into the plan of salvation, just the same as he did you and me. And I'm thankful for that, because uh, I don't, as far as I know, there's not a bit of Jewish blood in me. I've done one of those DNA tests through Ancestry.com. I sent it off, you know, spit in the tube and sent it off. <laughs> and uh, they found all my ancestors, and you know, I'm Scots-Irish, just like I knew I was. I'm mainly a Scottish, uh, if you can believe that. And... Uh, and we were McChesney's. But as far as I know, there wasn't any Jewish blood in, in my DNA at all. And so I'm thankful that the Lord included us in his plan of salvation. That he engrafted us in. You know, he very well could have said, no, it's just uh, I'm just offering salvation to the Jew. You disgusting, nasty Gentiles can go to hell and burn forever because you deserve it. And so uh, the, Lord, the Lord loves us all. The Bible says that... Uh, for God sent His only begotten Son into this world because He loved us. He loved us. So why Philip preached Christ unto them? The Samaritans did believe in a coming Messiah. Because when Jesus, like I said, had the conversation with the woman at the well, this is what, this is what transpired. John 4 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. That's the Lord Jesus speaking to the woman. Verse 25 says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. That is one of the few times that the Lord actually just came out and said, I am the Messiah. All the other times we see him giving the evidence and people were supposed to by faith understand that and believe it. 
But right here, he just point blank tells her, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. And so we see that the Samaritans believed in the Messiah coming, and he would be Christ. The Christos is what that is. And so since the Samaritans were looking for a Messiah to come, which is called Christ, then that's exactly what Philip is going to preach to them. He already knows they're looking for this. And can you imagine the thrill it must have been for him to go and tell these people and open up their minds and, and their eyes, their hearts to the truth and tell them about Jesus? Y'all, you know, he could have come and said, y'all heard all about this man, Jesus, that they hung on the cross, they crucified. You, you heard it, right? You've heard the story. Yeah, well, he is the Messiah. He's the one that was sent here. How thrilling it must have been for him to get to tell them that. All right. Back in our text there. Verse 6. Verse 6. Uh, Acts chapter 8. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. And so Philip has great success in Samaria. The Lord has really been with him. He's, he's relied on the Lord's help and the Lord has allowed him to preach and also allowed him to perform miracles through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. This has helped these folks to understand and believe in what he's talking about, preaching Christ. Um, so a great revival breaks out in Samaria of all places. And the Bible says there was great joy in that city. I'd love one day to, to look at the Knoxville News Sentinel headline saying there's great joy that's broke out over the city of Knoxville. Sadly, we see on our headlines there was uh, uh, rainbow lights put on Gate Street Bridge, uh, you know, the Henley Street Bridge, you know, to, uh, to welcome in all the uh, them uh, that goes against God. But... Uh, I'd love for great joy to break out in this city over the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And you know what? It, it takes people telling people about him to do it. You know, the Lord, he works through us. He's not going to come down here like he did the first time and, and dwell with us and, and go around and witness the people and show them miracles and things. He expects us to do our part on his behalf. We work for him. And so... When we get saved, we ought to have a desire within us to see other people know Christ. And so that's what this city needs. The city needs Christ, and we need to tell. All right, look at verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so now we're introduced to Simon the sorcerer. Uh, we're told that he spent his life delving in witchcraft and sorcery. Black magic is, is another word that you can use for that. Uh, the problem is he had fooled all these people into thinking that the power that he had here was from God. And so they were attributing the things that he was doing to God, Yahweh. And they believed he was working for the Lord. 
But in reality, his power was coming from Satan. That's where evil, witchcraft, and sorcery, that's where that comes from, from, the, from Satan. It's not of God. Watch out getting into those things. There's a lot of people getting into that these days. Young people, especially, they're getting into witchcraft. <laughs> you know, you think, well, that you know, that was years and years ago. No, it's it's real right now. Young girls, teenagers, getting into witchcraft and, and doing things. And uh, better watch that. But up until Philip showed up, Simon was the biggest thing going in that town. He had them all fooled. He had everybody believing that he had some power from God and he's able to pull off all these things that he's done. He used witchcraft and sorcery to fool them. But there was a big difference in what Philip did. Philip was able to perform miracles, but it was entirely different than the way that uh, Simon was doing it. Philip had power, and everybody knew and uh, that what Philip had was the real deal. It was so uh, apparent. And so uh, Simon looks around and sees the crowd following after Philip and seeing all the things he does, and he's realizing that's the real deal right there, the one that I'm pretending to be. But he's real and people are, are following him. Well, he couldn't let that happen. He's got to do something about it. Now, I want you to understand tonight that this Simon was a worker for Satan, both before this confession that he makes and after. This is a false confession of faith. In essence, he becomes the first church heretic. Let me explain as we continue here. Look at verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, one thing I want you to notice here is the Bible says Simon himself believed also. Now, if you just take that statement at face value and don't compare it to the scripture that's coming after this that we'll get into next week, if you just take that for face value and you just pull that out and say, okay, well, he heard about Jesus and he believed. he became become a believer. he become a Christian. That's what you would jump to a conclusion of, that he become a Christian. Uh, but that's not what's happened. You see, Simon witnessed the healings and the unclean spirits that were coming out of those that were possessed. And he believed that these miracles that were wrought by Philip was done through the power of Jesus. So he did believe that. He believed that the power was real. He believed that Jesus enabled him to do that. But as far as trusting in Jesus as Savior, that's not what's happened. There was enough here for him to profess that he was one of his followers. And so he made it known that he believes in this Jesus. Well, the devils believe also and they tremble, the Bible says. And so Simon believed in Jesus, but not as a savior. Well, all he looked at him at is something that could help his career, help his uh, sorcery. And so, you know, if you look at it, he even went as far to be baptized. And so if you, if you read that story and didn't continue reading and see what, what happens afterwards, it sounds like the perfect salvation story. I mean, here's a wicked man, been wicked all his life, fooled all these people, hears about Jesus and believes. A one-time demon-possessed magician trusts Jesus as Savior, gets baptized, and continues on the life of faith, the end. But that's not what happens. So there is a believing there is a God, and that there is a believing in God as your Savior. 
The devils believe in God, but they don't believe in him to be their savior. Simon the sorcerer has the type of belief that the devils have. This belief is in God's existence, but that's not enough to save him. You can believe that God is real all day long, but it's more than that. James 2 and 19, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. And so what's scary about this is that once again, Simon has fooled everyone. He's made a career out of fooling people. He's good at it. And so he's fooled everyone to thinking that he's accepting Christ the way the, these other people's accepted Christ. They're not interested in trying to gain some kind of power that Philip has. He is. The other people that got saved, all they're interested in is the Messiah has come. They, want, they believe in him. And, the, and they want to trust him as their savior and forgive their sins, repent of their sins. We don't find that he did that at all. And so, it's scary that he's able to fool everybody. He fooled them before he made the profession, and he's fooled them again after his profession. And not even the preacher realizes it at this time, the deception. Philip heard his confession, he baptized him, and even let him tag along during his ministry. Sometimes devils are hard to hard to find. They're hard to see. We had a missionary come. I'm not going to give you his name. Out loud or on public. I'll tell you later if you want to know. Missionary come to our church. And boy, he had us all fooled. I mean, he had this beautiful family. All these uh, young girls and his wife and a young boy. And... Uh, Really, I mean, boy, he really had had it down. Uh, he was on deputation. We took him on as a missionary. We were giving him uh, 50 or $60 a month, I believe it was. And uh, I never had a clue. And that man was going in the middle of the night and molesting his little girls. And then coming into church the next day and preaching. I couldn't tell by looking at him. I had no idea. When I heard about that, it literally crushed me. It crushed me. He's in prison for a long, long time. And uh, it's terrible. But uh, sometimes you don't recognize the devil sitting right in front of you. So Philip has allowed him to continue here. Uh, you know, I heard a very foolish pastor one time say, I can look people in the eye and tell whether or not they're saved. That's foolish. Uh, Philip the Evangelist couldn't tell that Simon was a phony. What makes you think that we can, we can tell? And so that's why the Bible warns us about tares and wheat. Matthew 13 and 24, Jesus gives us a parable. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, 
gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Simon was a true tare among the wheat in the early first century church. Uh, so we have seen through our studies in the book of Acts already Satan has attempted all kinds of things to try to destroy the church. He used, first of all, the religious leaders to try and destroy it from the outside, those Jewish religious leaders, as they would persecute Peter and uh, John and uh, take them into prison and, and beat them and everything else. They tried that. Uh, the devil used Ananias and Sapphira, two church members, husband and wife, to lie about what they'd done and try to destroy it there through deception. He tried using Saul Tarsus to stomp it out, dragging people out of their homes and everything else, causing them to scatter. And here he tries to use Simon the magician, a tare among the wheat. The devil is, is real, and he is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. But if you notice, all of Satan's ploys has only caused the gospel to grow. Everything he's done. And like we said last Sunday, you know, when persecution begins, then's when we see the church take action. We see people actually get with it. And while the devil meant it for bad, God turned it all around and uses it for good. Now we're going to discover in our next Bible study, Simon was only pretending to be saved because he gets found out. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the message tonight. Lord, I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, help us as we continue studying through your word. God, that we'll uh, get as much of it as we can. And uh, Lord, that you'll just help us with it. Lord, please be with us, all those prayer requests that, we, that was made. All these that need prayer, God, we're praying that we remember them all week long. And Lord, we ask for help with this, this church, God. Help us have discernment. Help us work in the way that you have us to, Lord, to to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with this lost city. Lord, may we see a difference in joy in this city. Help us with it, Father. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright. Anybody have anything before we go? Well, if not, good Lord willing, the creek don't rise, we'll see you on Sunday morning.